The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. I'm Kate Ebner, and you are listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This show intends to inspire you and help you become inspiring. Today's guest, I think, is going to offer us all not only inspiration, but a process for really connecting with the wisdom and inner knowledge that we have. When Ellen Sproggins published Letters to My Younger Self in 2006, it launched an entirely new career for her. She had been an award-winning journalist, columnist, and editor. Her process was to interview prominent women and ask them to reflect on a challenging time in their lives. And then she collaborated with them to write a letter to that younger self who faced that challenge. The letters included thoughts about what specifically would have helped that woman to navigate that period of her life. These letters, once published, inspired readers everywhere to write their own letter. And voila, today Ellen's bringing her beautifully designed programs and her process to groups and organizations. I'm delighted to have you here with us today, Ellen, and I know our listeners are going to love learning about your process. Welcome. Thank you, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about your, your background and about your process, but I, I know that, you know, you entered, uh, you, today, you're like, not unlike me, you're doing all kinds of uh, wonderful programs where people can participate and really connect with this inner wisdom they have, but you really come to it from a career in writing. Your credentials as a writer are so impressive. What was it, Ellen, that inspired you to write this first Letters to My Younger Self? Well, it was really very personal. Uh, I, I was a journalist, as you mentioned, and I loved writing, and I primarily was a business journalist, and I um, pretty much evolved in that career for a long time. But what happened is way back when I was in my early 30s, I lost my mom very suddenly. Uh, she died very suddenly at 60. I was 32, and you know, I, I went through a process that many of you, that you possibly and, and many people listening, I'm sure, know all too well that profound loss, that, that absence of that person and all the stages of grief. And, and I was surprised, as many people are, as they go through their life, continue on with their life, how there are these new facets to grief that open up as you go through moments in your own life. And so uh, all of this was happening to me over the course of many years, the years unfolding. And, but but in, a, in brief, what happened is I began to understand that some of my difficult moments, the moments in which I was wishing for my mom's 
guidance or advice were actually very similar to things she had gone through. So I had a ectopic pregnancy and an emergency surgery and lost a fallopian tube. She had had five miscarriages and then had five kids. She had lost her mother at 20. So this this realization that she had gone through these difficulties created two things. First, kind of a paradigm shift where instead of this all being about me and my mother, I started thinking of her as a woman making her way in the world. And how would she have looked back at those difficult moments and, and what would have helped her um, what did she wish she had done or not done? And the other thing that it did is it um, it really helped me start to think about what what we can learn from each other. I mean, my mom was not there, but but other incredibly accomplished, interesting women in the world are there. And what would it be like to find out from them what they could tell us about? difficult moments in their life and what would have helped them get through. Now, I have to tell you, Kate, um, I, it all sounds very sort of seamless, <laughs> but actually this was, this all took a very long time to evolve in me. And the first year or so that I thought of this idea, this book of letters by really smart, accomplished women, I really just thought of it as a great book that I'd love to read. I didn't remotely think of me being the one to create it and put it together. So I was a little slow on the uptake. Hmm. That's that's uh, great to actually learn that story. And thank you for sharing such a personal and important um, set of stories and perspectives with us about your own life, Ellen. You know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, wow, this is fascinating. The parallel experiences shared by you and your mother although not simultaneously, um, and then your inclination that, wow, we have such wisdom to share with each other, and then your process, I love, of, of actually tapping into y- your own wisdom for the sake of your younger self, but actually for the world, so bringing it out into the public to share and give give that kind of um, mentoring wisdom to the rest of the world. Um, I have a copy of um, Letters to My Younger sh- Self on my bookshelf. I actually have a copy of every single one of your books, Ellen, um, and I I love them because each one is so uh, fresh and surprising and different uh, from the one before. Was this format, this letter format, a new format for you? It was. I I think that, uh, you know, I just described this idea of of sharing wisdom, but the idea of doing it in a letter to your younger self, not really sure where that came from, and I think it is... It's just a little conceit, a little piece of magic uh, with the idea that if you could somehow post a letter back in time, you know, that's just sort of wonderful, um, uh, not possible kind of exercise. But, you know, I've learned so much more about this, obviously, over the years and and what happens when you write a letter to your younger self and, and what happens when you hear one or you read one. So there's a lot of really cool moving parts to it, but one thing that happens is you, uh, when you, whether I worked with you, Kate, on a letter to your younger self, or you just decided to sit down and write one yourself to your younger self, when you start to pick the moment that you're going to address in your life or, um, you know, visualize who you were then and you, you have that idea, that picture of of the younger Kate in your in your mind, and you start to write, it's extremely 
uh, moving and compassionate feeling that most people get, and it's um, it just kind of seems to strip away uh, any veneer that you might want to put on your on your history, you know, if you were telling it to someone else, because you are speaking to you, and and only the current you knows best exactly what everything felt like and what what you needed and what what would have helped you. So it's a very, I think the letter piece of it is is really where some of the power comes from because it's you talking to you with such a great deal of you know usually love and compassion. That's sometimes so hard to access in the present moment when we're struggling, when we really could use that letter from our future self. <laughs> I know. Uh, Isn't that you know? true? Yeah, it is. It is. That, you know, the, the thing that I often see is that people um, are tough on themselves. You know, they have a hard time bringing the compassion and the forgiveness and even the humor that, um, that time gives us that perspective. And, and so, I mean, one of the things I love about your your invitation for people is the chance to bring that perspective and wisdom, but also really that compassion and that, um, that forgiveness, you know, you, you kind of look back at that struggling self. I had an experience once, um, Ellen, where I, I was reading an old letter I had written maybe 20 years ago. And my thought was, Oh, you poor thing. You're trying so hard. (laughs) I could really see how seriously I was taking life. And I just thought, Oh, I know, it's quite moving, and and it's, you know, you're raising an interesting point that I understand so clearly now from working with so many people in this way. You and I could sit here, or anyone, and and they do, when I'm speaking or doing a presentation, I I can see the wheels turning. What would, you know, what would I say to my younger self? You know, what's my message? And that's really interesting and fascinating to think about. And, and obviously, I think it's a great exercise, but it's not the same at all as actually putting pen to paper or your fingers to the keyboard because somehow the concreteness of putting the words down is a very, very different experience. It really crystallizes um, your ideas about what was going on back then and, and who you were and in a way that mulling it over just doesn't seem to do. So you think the writing process is a really key piece of shifting, I guess, from um, reflection, just sort of reflecting to something that's... Insight. To insight, thank you. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I work with, in my books and, and for corporate presentations, I work with women and we we co-create we really uh i do an interview and then we collaborate on the letter so we've got two minds working on it but uh i know just i mean i have a little bit of a confession to make which is i did not write my own letter to my younger self until after my first book came out and when i did it was it was just quite an eye-opener because of what I just mentioned. I, I played around with a couple of different moments in time that I thought I might write to, uh, different things that were going on, different difficulties, and focused on one. And I kind of thought I knew what that moment in my life was all about, but writing it, I realized 
had so many more layers to it. And usually that is true when you when you find the moment you want to write to. And, and we could all write many letters to our younger self, but if you pick a moment of difficulty, it, it's there's the obvious outside piece of it, you know, uh, something somebody you're not getting along with at work or being rejected from a college or a job or trying to find your your first job. I mean, there are there are lots of obviously moments that we struggle with, but the ones that are the hardest tend to pull in like, um, I don't know, like a fishing rod with a whole bunch of lines on it. You know, they, they kind of snare these other elements of our life into them. So it's not just about finding your first job. It's about the values you were raised with and what kind of work was valued. And it's not just about the first job. It's about your sense of competition with your roommate or, you know what I mean? It has a lot of layers to it. And the best letters and the best moments to pick are the ones that do end up having those kind of stratas and substratas between them. You know, I love I love the idea that those times that when we're living them are so challenging and confusing and, um, you know, potentially really uh, raising huge questions uh, for us, that th- it's those times, those really challenging times, that when we look back in hindsight, we really, um, we understand, I suppose, better the, the, the dilemma or the choice that we faced and the... Um, the way we responded and what we did and why we did it and where it took us next. And I, I think that's the part that when we're in it, we can't see is where is this really going to go? We have that benefit when we're looking back from from the future, actually, from mm-hmm. the present, from the present right. to the past. The present that once was the future. That once was the future, yes. Yes, well, I um, I want to hear a little bit more about your letter, Ellen, would you just okay. share us a little bit about the letter that you wrote to yourself? We have a couple minutes. Okay. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> my letter to my younger self was written uh, after the birth of my uh, my second and last child, uh, my son, Tucker. I had a one other child. Uh, I have a daughter who's two years older, so she was about two. And Tucker was born at a difficult moment uh, for me because, for a few reasons, but one of the reasons was that my husband was unemployed and I was an editor, contributing editor, writer at Inc. Magazine working from home. So we had a, a babysitter, a nanny, who lived in with us and, and she had been, you know, a really lovely, helpful person in our house, and Keenan, my daughter, had a great relationship with her. But um, right before I was due to deliver Tucker, about two or three weeks before, Anna uh, told me that she was not really crazy about taking care of infants. So um, I was a little distressed about this because I was about to have an infant, and I was not able to... um, take any time off because my husband was not working and so I delivered Tucker and came back home and I was just miserable because I was working in my basement and I felt every time I heard Tucker cry, you know, it wasn't as if Anna would neglect him. It wasn't that, but I just felt she was not going to show him any affection or love. So I was kind of 
running upstairs trying to make sure he was showering some love on him and then running back downstairs to my office. And, and meanwhile, because she really much preferred taking care of my daughter, whenever we were both around for uh, fixing meals or breakfast, she would kind of whisk off Kena and my daughter. And, and so I felt this division between... I felt I was losing Keenan, um, really, which I think you maybe feel a little bit anyways when you have a child after your first child. So it was really more pronounced. So my letter to my younger self is um, at that moment, and it's really, it's got a couple of layers to it. But one of the most important messages in the letter is, Get a new babysitter. <laughs> How about that? Practical know, wisdom. I, Ellen, we're going to take a short break. Oh, okay. and we'll be right back. And then I want us to really hear more about your letter. This is a, one of those stories I bet a lot of people are really relating to. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Today, my guest is Ellen Sproggins, the author of What I Know Now About Success and if I'd known then, women in their 20s and 30s write letters to their younger selves. Um, we're talking actually a bit about Ellen's 2006 book, What I N- Know Now, Letters to My Younger Self, which has been a New York Times bestseller and a Books for a Better Life finalist. Um, we absolutely love that book. And Ellen has been telling us not only about the process that she uses, but actually about her own letter. So, Ellen, we want to jump right back in with you about to have your you know, having had your second child and trying to manage this situation and the letter that you wrote to yourself. So go ahead. Okay. So my letter to myself at this moment when I felt uh, so miserable and burdened and not getting support really that I needed uh, from the babysitter was uh, the letter is really identifying all these strands. And then the, the key message is, well, there's two key messages. The first one is get a new babysitter in, in large caps. <laughs> but, but the point is I was afraid uh, of 
of disappointing the babysitter. I was afraid. I envisioned, you know, sort of getting another babysitter as necessarily entailing dismissing Anna, you know, in some way that would be difficult without, you know, ever thinking of the possibility, well, you could help her get another job. This could all work out for everyone. And so the real story and the message is not just get a new babysitter. Don't be afraid of confrontation. I was afraid to address a problem because I was afraid of anger or whatever might kind of ensue in that context. And then the next most important piece of the message to my younger self is that I felt that I had to be the one to to suffer. I had to be the one to be unhappy. If anyone in the house, it couldn't be my kids, it couldn't be my husband, it couldn't be the babysitter. <laughs> I had to be miserable if because somebody was going to have to be, right? And and so the one of the last lines in the letter is actually, you know, you deserve to have the life you want. And um, I think that's probably the part of the letter I could read fairly often. You know, it's sometimes we just feel there's a some necessary trade-off when there probably really isn't. Thank you so much for sharing your, your letter. You know, I think you're right. I mean, there's that get a new babysitter, which is code maybe for <laughs> <laughs> you can have the life you want. You know, you really can. And, and the com- don't be afraid to have that, that potential confrontation, but that ultimately could offer other possibilities and solutions. And, uh, I, you know, I, I know that... Um, that's a that's a revelation, actually, when you're mm-hmm. trying to take care of everybody else, you know, to realize that, hey, you know, I it's okay for me to call for what I need and actually get it. I don't have to be the one that suffers. <laughs> yeah, it feels like, um, I don't know, asking for help or being blind about what it might lead to. I guess that's another piece of it, you know. Uh, if I do that, I don't. I don't know the rest of the script. Like I don't know how it's going to play out, and and I therefore I'll just stay away. I, I don't know something about not knowing the outcome. But um, I think that after working with people on a lot of these different letters, you know, that it, it, there's a lot of um, sort of sappy shorthand for this kind of feeling about you know just having the faith and things will be fine, but there's a certain amount of, of blind optimism when you're in these difficulties and just not moving, not knowing what you're moving toward, but taking the next best step toward what you think you want is, is a great move. You know, that's, that's been an interesting thing to observe uh, from talking to people about all the difficult moments in their life. I really do love the perspective that you've invited people to this, this, um, because we know how it turned out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to me, that's the, one of the most, um, powerful aspects of this whole thing is that, you know, I do so much work with people thinking about the future, really envisioning the future that they want and, and helping them to live into it and grow into it. And, you know, this is almost a reverse process. It's actually looking back at the past with compassion and then, um, extending that that compassion and that and and the culling of that wisdom from that time you know and then the lesson learned is something like it's going to be okay <laughs> which you can bring <laughs> back to the present moment and use again so it's it's just a really it's very powerful i see what you mean about the nuanced layers of this do you have a 
an example of a letter that you'd like to read for us on air, Ellen? Is there one that you? Oh yeah, have? I'd love to. Um, you know, I have so many letters that I love, and honestly, I, I, when I interviewed the women in the books, I. It was just almost always a really kind of exceptional experience. I fell in love with each of them at one time or another is what I feel. But the woman I want to read the letter, uh, her letter today is named Mary Lou Quinlan. She's um, She may not be somebody you have heard of. I mean, there's lots of better-known people here, but her message is so interesting. She was in the advertising world in New York, a very, very successful um, she became CEO at NW Air, and now she runs her own marketing firm that focuses on marketing research with women. It's called Just Ask a Woman. Very interesting, kind of threw out the old one-way mirror focus group concept. Instead, it's sort of a talk show format, and women uh, are interacting on stage with microphones and the audience. So it's a different way of doing research and has some really interesting results. But her letter, she wrote to herself, um, she calls herself a recovering yesaholic, saying yes to everything. Um, mm. you know, she was a, a good, the classic good girl, straight-A student, um, wanting to please everyone. Anyways, uh, so she wanted to write to herself. Uh, she's about, I think, 57 now, and she has a new book, by the way, very interesting. It's called The God Box. But... Um, She's writing to herself when she was kind of operating at crisis speed every day, and she was just under 40 years old. Dear Mary Lou, it's a Tuesday morning in May 1994. You are 39 years old. You're sitting in the back of St. Patrick's Cathedral, sobbing, swaying in your seat like a distressed homeless person on a Manhattan sidewalk. A few minutes ago, you told a man who is a favorite boss and a friend that you were quitting your job to become president of another advertising agency. Becoming one of the first females to reach that level before age 40 should feel like a lifetime achievement. But instead of doing a dance of joy down Fifth Avenue, you're crying. Why? Because your decision made someone else unhappy. It's going to get worse when you walk out of this church hideout and tell your team that you're leaving, and it's killing you. This is the biggest promotion of your life, yet all you can think is, how could I let everyone down? They'll be so hurt. Who will take care of them if I'm not there? Why did I have to be so selfish as to want this? Mary Lou, you are not in charge of everyone else's happiness. It's okay for you to worry if your mom or, and dad or your husband Joe or your brother Jack are happy, but not the people you work with, at least not all the time. They're not your family. Sometimes you will make personal choices that aren't so good for them. And when you walk out that door, you'll find that they go on and make their way without you. Here's what I've learned. When you speak to your heart and make changes and choices that are right for you, People understand. Maybe not right away, but they do. They're reminded that they need to make their own choices, too. Work can be uplifting and fulfilling, but over time it's inevitable that you'll wear out. You'll get stuck in a job that wastes your talents or compromises your values. 
You've been a pleaser since you were a child. You love to believe that you can make it all better for everyone, that if only you say or do the right thing, you can fix it. How many times have you heard your mother saying, Mary Lou, who left you in charge of making everyone happy? It will always be in your nature to want everyone to be okay, but you might cut a little slack for the girl in the mirror. What's the worst that could happen if you get comfortable asking for what you really want and need? They, whoever they are, may think less of you, but probably not. They may think you're not committed or that you're selfish, but probably not. Practice speaking your mind and risking that everyone won't always love you. Now, start breathing, stop crying, walk back into that office and be happy for yourself. You've earned it. Mary Lou. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, thank you to Mary Lou. That's a Yeah, letter. I know. She's she's a fabulous person and it's such a great letter because Women often do put so many other people in their life ahead of themselves. Hmm. That's a wonderful letter. I think that's a, I, I, again, I can see how sharing our letters can be such a source of wisdom. You know, there's the wisdom we give ourselves, but sharing it with somebody else who can really relate. I think that what strikes me about your letter and Mary Lou's letter is that I bet so many of us can relate to these themes and to these messages. Um, we just have so much to offer each other. Um, you know, Ellen, as you know, this program's about vision. And what I've learned from working with vision is that the very first thing we have to do when we're going to create a vision is actually look to the past. We need to tell the story of who we've been and how we've become the person we are right now. And we kind of have to ground ourselves in, in our own history and in, in the history of our own development and of our life story so that we can then look at where we are today and say, okay, that's who I was and this is what I did and this is who I became and now this is where I am. And here from this space, I want to actually look into the future and create my vision. And so the first step is looking backward. And I'm I'm curious, you know, your letters process seems to me to invite people back into the past, just as the visioning process does. And, you know, not only telling the story, uh, revisiting the story, but also bringing that wisdom of the present moment to that younger, more vulnerable self. And it's just a wonderful healing exercise, as we've been saying. What do you think happens? What's, what's liberated or freed up or healed or helped by this process, would you say? Well, it's a an interesting question to me because I have seen now for so many years people, uh, I've worked with men too, but it has been primarily women. Women feel and exclaim over how cathartic it is and how really freeing it it feels and like they have a lighter load uh, somehow. And so I think there's a deeper understanding that happens and you know and often these the deeper understanding helps you see maybe in a different guise the same theme or the same struggle is is reappearing in your life or has reappeared in your life perhaps in a different area not work but personal or something like that so the theme is is one piece of it but the acceptance, I didn't really quite get my arms around what that, why people would feel energized by this and, you know, healed and energized. And until I started to think about 
it in terms of uh, our personal history. You know, we tell ourselves our life story all the time, whether we realize it or not. But I think there are really sort of two versions of that story. There's the public one, you know, that are filled with our accomplishments and accolades, and lots of neighbors and colleagues know that. And then there's this sort of inside personal story where we hide a lot of bumps and bruises. And so writing one of these letters often pulls back the curtain on just a piece of that inside secret history. And then what I think happens is, you know, if you, you're looking at this moment in your life, something that maybe still feels embarrassing or faintly uncomfortable, and, and I think when you have these, some of these struggles, you end up kind of cutting them off or building a little wall around them and disowning that piece of you, that piece of your history, that, that characteristic. Somehow you, you make an orphan out of these pieces of yourself, and I think what it, the way I see it now is that when you go, when you write one of these letters and you kind of gaze again at, at that, that younger you going through the difficulty, you reclaim her. You know, it's, um, you, you, you explain what's happening, you say what you believe would be helpful for that younger you, and you reclaim her. There's not this feeling of, embarrassment uh, anymore. It's it's compassion. It's I get you. And you mm-hmm. bring her back into, you know, incorporate her back into you, sort of. So I think it feel, it's an integrated uh, integrative kind of feeling where you accept all of you and I think it brings you a little bit more uh, power or wholeness, I guess. Oh, I love it. I think you're absolutely right. And that idea of, you know, it integrates you and brings you more power or wholeness. That's that seems to me to be exactly what it offers. And um, you know the you know beautifully said. I, I think that's wonderful. This is Kate Ebner, and I'm speaking with Ellen Sproggins, an award-winning author, journalist, and editor who conducts wonderful workshops and seminars around the world. She does this for corporate leadership programs. She also does it at specific locations for open enrollment groups of women, usually. Uh, Ellen inspires leaders to share their inner wisdom, and she's done this at Microsoft, Goldman Sachs, Genentech, Johnson & Johnson, and other visionary companies. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, Ellen, I want to read another letter. I want you to share another letter with us. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. 
We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Ellen Spragans and I are talking about this incredible work she does called Letters to My Younger Self. And we were exploring how this incredible process actually integrates our past and our present in a way that uh, gives us more power, more wholeness. Ellen, I wanted to invite you to share another letter with us because I think it's um, illustrative of not only the power of the process, but I, I also hope people really get the flavor of what these letters can offer. Do you have another one you'd like to share? Yes, I do. In fact, I, I mentioned that I might share one by Diane von Furstenberg, which I love for a lot of reasons, but now I am thinking um, that I would like to share one from Olympia Dukakis, because one of the things, I, I really love her her message, and I thought it took a lot of courage for her to to address what she addresses, and also she's she's older. So you know, I would have loved more eighty or you know women in their eighties and nineties to be in these books so that they could be writing to themselves in their sixties, and I would be all ready for that decade. But anyway, <laughs> so she's one of the uh, you know older ones in the first book, and uh, she uh, actually lived in. She's writing to herself. Um, let's see. I think she was in probably her 30s, and she lived in Montclair, New Jersey, and she uh, had been, you know, an actress and and also running a local theater when her husband was in a terrible, terrible car crash. Um, So this was actually in her late 40s. He he was basically so broken up that he... He was in the hospital for three months and then had years of painful physical therapy and and joint replacement surgery. So so all of a sudden, Olympia, who had three kids, uh, had to try and keep everything going, right? Be the the main parent. Uh, She had to keep running the local theater. She had to try and keep her acting career going while also making money. And uh, it just... It was just nonstop. She said, in those years, I never stopped. So she's writing to herself in her late 40s, and her nickname is um, Ollie. Dear Ollie, a fine mess you've gotten yourself into this time. You You wake up worried about money almost every day. Your kitchen functions like a war room. Charts and timetables cover the wall so that you can plot your ever-changing schedule at the theater and in Manhattan, where you chase paying jobs against the kids' after-school activities. When you spot a precious square inch of blank space, your free time, you dedicate it to watching one of the kids' games. The school has been sending letters to you, stressing the importance of your support. What with your charts, the kids' bikes, and your brother and sister-in-law's aid, Everybody seems to be landing where they're supposed to, more or less on time. You're not really dealing with feelings, though, yours or the kids. You're so taken up with just surviving that you're ignoring the most important issue. The kids have effectively lost their father. 
Louis, that's her husband, is fully absorbed with putting his body back together. You need to talk to Christina, Peter, and Stefan about that and what it means to all of you. And you should understand that, in a way, the kids are losing you, too. You're so busy that you're absent. It's not an overstatement to say that they feel like their family is crumbling. Unless you change what you're doing, the kids will have to confront these issues later in life. And you'll wake up in the middle of the night and wonder why you didn't do some of these things differently. I hesitate to say all this because you labor so relentlessly and you're trying so hard. But you need to learn how to celebrate and not just to suffer. It sounds impossible, doesn't it? How, in the midst of all this turmoil, can you possibly find a way to feel good about what's happening? One way is to realize that being strong doesn't require that you deny yourself pleasure. You don't have to, quote, earn your pleasures by toiling harder than every other workhorse. You are unnaturally good at deferring gratification, Olympia. Learn that you can be responsible for your children and enjoy them at the same time. Talk to them about what's happening and, even more important, listen to what they say. What could also ease your stress is a different way of thinking about how to travel through this world. There's no ladder to success. The rhythm of life runs in cycles. There are times in the darkness and times in the light. The energy of life is like the rainforest. Things live, grow, die, fall to the forest floor, rot, and then they are born again. Remember what your mother said? Everyone gets kicked down the stairs. This is one of those times. You must embrace these changes. As difficult as they are, they will pass. But you mustn't bury or deny the darkness. You've got to live through it. You can't cheat. Even now, you have a lot to look forward to. Birthdays, for example. You and Louie have rarely made merry on those days. Sometimes you've forgotten them altogether. But that will change. You'll understand that purposefully capturing happy moments expands your soul. It won't be a happily ever after story. The cycles of darkness and light continue, but have patience. Your most important struggles will be hard fought, but won well. Endure and have faith. Olympia. Wow. I thought this was so brave because she felt she made some mistakes with her kids and they had some troubles because of it later. And she was willing to talk about that and address it in her letter. She really was. And, um, you know, her wisdom, I found myself listening and nodding my head <laughs> at certain <laughs> points as you, were, as you were sharing her letter. Um, you know, I, I thank you for sharing that. That's just a, a beautiful, honest, um, courageous reflection. And, you know, it, it reminds me, you know, yet again, I think I'm really taking from this hour conversation with you, Ellen, um, how much we really do know in the present moment. And how much we, we, you know, we, we think, you know, if we think of hindsight is looking into the past with the eyes of the present, and maybe we think of vision is looking into the future from the present moment, we tend to, in either case, be looking either backward or forward. And what I'm really hearing in these letters is the wisdom of the present moment. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. 
and and we have it. Uh, sometimes we don't know that we have it, and I feel like you can articulate it more easily, probably writing to your younger self. And most women, many women that I've worked with, feel like their themes come up over and over again. I think for Olympia Dukakis, you know, that she was a tough kid in a tough neighborhood, a Greek neighborhood, and carried a knife when she was a nine-year-old. She uh, just was a workhorse, and to get what she wanted and to go where she wanted, she had to work. So she, she really did get very good at denying herself pleasure. And so I think that theme probably came up more than once in her life and, and probably maybe even still does. So I uh, I loved her. I loved talking to her. And I love the idea also of that she doesn't have this... She's telling her younger self there's not necessarily this linear path where everything proceeds and by increments and in one direction, whether it's towards success or toward happiness. It's cyclical, and there are these times. And, in fact, these times are when you actually grow the most. Sad to say, we have to suffer for that. But when we're struggling mm-hmm. or things are difficult, we really have grown as people, usually at the other, on the other side of it. Mm. Well said. Really well said. So, Ellen, if someone was listening and wanted to do this process, what do you advise that they do? How can they do it? Well, I think that the very first thing to do is um, pick out a just don't, don't even pick out. Think of, uh, brainstorm with yourself. Make a list of five or ten times in your life that you just consider the hardest times. You know, don't even have to sort of think about what they were about right now. You just think, oh, gosh, remember when I had my second child and I had that nanny? Or remember when my mom died? Or remember, you know, you, you can just make a list. And um, then I would, and I and, and to kind of, I guess sum it up as many as as you want to. Think about it in terms of different dimensions of your life. So work or school or relationships or motherhood or being a daughter. You know, just many health, spirituality, moments of struggle for all of those. And so you, then you basically have a a list of candidates. <laughs> you know, younger selves that all of which you might, you know, any one of them you might choose to write to. And I would I'd just think about each of them and, and think about what uh, what was so difficult. Don't think about what you've learned or what your message is at this point. Just think about what, what was really hard about it and, and how, what age you were and where you were. And I, frankly, when I'm leading a group through this process, uh, an audience through the process of writing their letters, I tell them to pick the one that still gives you a little bit of a, oh, God, you know, that I still really don't feel that comfortable with that or I feel still feel embarrassed or I'm not really sure. You, know, you still have that little thing in your stomach that is speaking to you and saying I'm not really happy with how that went down. Uh, I have a, a job at, that I had at Smart Money that is still that way for me. I just uh, I should write a letter about that. But um, so the one that has the biggest kind of emotional charge still today, or, or the one or two, you know, would be the ones I would focus on. And then I would say, when you're ready to write, I would, as much as possible, pick a moment in time. I mean, pick an afternoon, pick an hour, pick a month. You know. If it, Try and have a, a visual of 
what you're feeling. Maybe you were in your bedroom at home. Maybe you were walking out of a professor's classroom or having talked to your boss somewhere. In other words, what what the office looked like was just sort of a almost like you're doing a screenplay, you know, trying to set that. So really get a picture, get those specific yeah, details. Yeah, because what happens is when I'm leading a group through this, I, ha- I, I simulate the interview process by having them partner with each other for five minutes. They each get five minutes to just talk about what, what it was like and how it felt and where they lived. And, you know, because as you start to talk and hopefully as you start to visualize, you remember more, it starts to surface. You remember, oh, yeah, and I used to get my coffee here, and I remember one day I cried there, or, you know, you, you start to get back into that mode, and that's really kind of what you want is that feeling of knowing exactly how it felt back then. So then when you write, um, I find it helpful to very, very roughly structure it in terms of a beginning part of the letter that talks to you. So I'd say, dear Ellen, you know, you, or I'd use a nickname if I had a nickname then, you are feeling this, you know, every day when you leave your apartment, this and this. You kind of set the stage for for the person you're talking to, the younger you. This is what it feels like. And, and then you say, I mean, you can go right into your message or you can sort of amplify and say, well, you know, this is really not just about this person. Uh, if you think about it, you know, you're... Your dad was like this, or your sister, you know, something about that. And then, then you know, you would have your message, and it would be, um, you know, you don't, most people don't want to undo what they did in their life. They don't want to be someone different than who they are, so they don't want to say, I, I wouldn't go through this experience. But So don't think about saying, skip this <laughs> to your younger self. Instead, think about tips, um, ideas ways of thinking, even, you know, actions that would have helped you get through it a little more smoothly, a little maybe faster, more smoothly, you know, with less disruption. Um, And whatever that advice is, is um, what you would put in the letter and then close the letter. um, And that's, that's it. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's excellent. You know, the, the one other thing that you were doing as you were describing that that I want to point out for those who are listening is I noticed you were writing the letter in the present tense you know like dear oh, right. Ellen you are sitting because at the she's table. reading it so she's you know reading what is happening now that's, that's right it. good point right great I want to point that out because I, for some reason the more I work with the future um, the, and the past the more I realize that, that that when we address ourselves in the present tense we can bring ourselves either to the future or to the past. So I thought that was really interesting that you do that. Um, these are This is a wonderful process, and um, I'm so grateful to you, Ellen, for joining me here today on the show. Um, I wonder if you could tell us how to find out more about you and your work. I'd be happy to. I, I do have a website, which is letterstomyyoungerself.com, and there's a calendar on there with lots of the events and activities where I'll be. In fact, I would like to extend an invitation to any women who want to come to a retreat that I'll be leading in October at Canyon Ranch, which is a spectacular spa. So you can do a lot of self-exploration and self-indulgence at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did it for the first time last year, and it was actually my first time at the spa as well. I have to say it's it's really spectacular and 
the fall leaves will be there. Uh, and, and it's a really wonderful way to kind of be very relaxed and stretch out the process a little bit. Um, it doesn't take that much of your day, but it's a, it's a really rewarding kind of experience from the inside out. So I invite Great. everybody to that. And uh, you too, Kate. Well, I'll tell you, if I can be there, Ellen, I will be there. <laughs> I'm ready to <laughs> okay, do this. Good. You know, for those listening, I invite you as well to go ahead, write a letter to your younger self. Maybe this is something you want to do with a friend. Um, Try this out, whether you're a woman or a man. I think this offers so much to you. You've been listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and I've been talking with Ellen Sprogan. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com.